All right, how you guys doing today? Everybody good? Good, good. It's great to see you this morning. Uh, we, uh, we have a great message for you this morning. And uh, as we, we dive in, I was just thinking about one of the craziest jobs that I ever had in my life. I worked at a police supply store. And uh, if you know anything about me, that's kind of a random place for me to be working. Police supply. So we had your boots. We had your bulletproof vests. We had your handcuffs, leg arms, tasers. We sold it all except guns. Uh, but it was, it was a crazy, crazy experience working there. Um, little did I know when I took this job that the store w- would have um, an interesting connection with a certain reality TV star named Dwayne Chapman. A.K.A. Dog the Bounty Hunter. If you have never seen Dog the Bounty Hunter, you are literally better for it. (laughs) So, if you haven't seen the show, you know, it doesn't matter. Dog the Bounty Hunter and his family chase after fugitives. It's reality TV at its finest. Probably one of the most ridiculous shows I've ever seen. But anyways, I was working at the police supply store, and we got a call. Turns out, um, I'm from, you know, the Denver area. Turns out, uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter has deep roots in Denver, Colorado. And uh, his son, Leland, who's also on the show, was coming into our store with cameras rolling. And so my boss is telling me this, and, and he's saying, listen, you know, they're going to be coming in, camera's rolling. He says, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. I said, but one, one thing. I said, please don't use my name on camera. And he goes, well, what do you want me to call you? I thought for a moment. I said, call me Magnum. Next thing I know, Leland and the camera crew are in the store. You know, the lights are on, the camera's rolling. And the very first thing my boss says is, have you met my friend Magnum? (laughs) It was my moment to shine. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, God gives us these moments to shine. As Christians, we have these moments every single day. And the world is watching. And as cool as... Magnum is, we are something much cooler in Christ. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. The follower of Jesus Christ, this is your moment, this is your hour to shine. We've been studying the Sermon on the Mount here in a series called Kingdom Living. It's been a great series so far. What is the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is one of the most powerful speeches ever given. It's one of the most brilliant teachings in the history of the world. And if you are a follower of Jesus, there's no better description of what it means to follow Jesus than the Sermon on the Mount. We have this powerful speech uh, passed down to us by one of the eyewitnesses, somebody who was there, a man named Matthew. 
And so if you have your Bible, if you got the app, go ahead and pull that out. We're going to be in the book of Matthew, and uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. And so while you turn there, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've seen some pretty cool things. We've seen that Jesus is speaking to a great crowd of people. But more specifically, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. His disciples have come to him and they're learning from him. And isn't that a great definition of a disciple? Right? A disciple is someone who's come to Jesus and it's someone who's learning from Jesus. And so Jesus begins to teach them, it says... And what's the very first word of the Sermon on the Mount? What's the very first word to Jesus' disciples? Do you remember? What is it? Blessed. Blessed. Isn't that cool? Jesus' very first word to his followers is the word blessed. And we are blessed to follow Jesus. And then he begins to call out these eight beatitudes, or what I would call eight blessed attitudes of those who've chosen to follow him. They're the be attitudes. They're attitudes that help us to be like Jesus. We're going to begin in Matthew 5.13 here, if you have that in front of you. In Matthew 5.13, Jesus transitions from the Christian's character to the Christian's influence. And what I want to show you today is that what God has done in your life is not meant to be hidden. It's meant to shine for the world to see. So that's what we're going to look at. Salt and light is what it says. Matthew 5, 13. This is what Jesus says. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're going to look at a few questions today. What does it mean to be salt and light? Why can't we hide our faith? What would it look like to truly let our light shine in a way that people begin to praise the Father in heaven? That's what we're looking at. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning, and thank you for each person who's here. And uh, I just pray that this morning, that you would do a work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Help us to see our need for you. Um, Help us to to remember the work that you've done in our lives as something too great to be hidden. And I just pray that we'd go from here today, shining brightly for Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name. All right, I'm just going to look at a few things here. Um, First, I want to show you this this idea of salt and light. And, And I love this. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are... The light of the world. And the you there is emphatic. And I I just hope you hear Jesus today because what is he saying? He is saying that your life truly matters. 
He's saying your influence in this world truly matters. You're the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So what does it mean to be salt and light? It means to be something essential, something valuable. Take salt, for example. Um, We, just in the last 24 hours, have been using salt by the truckload, right? To melt some of the ice on the roads. Salt is pretty valuable. It's pretty important. I mean, imagine your french fries without salt. No, yeah, exactly. Right? What about a Philadelphia pretzel without salt? It's not the same thing. What about, you know, popcorn without salt? Salt brings the flavor. I have some salt. Back in Jesus' day, salt was extremely, extremely valuable. Um, Salt was used in Jesus' day for preserving food. And I tried to put myself into that situation a little bit this week. Just thinking about, you know, what if I had fish? What if I had like some really good, you know, meat? You know, going to put it on the barbecue or whatever. I don't know. But, but I'm not ready to cook this, this meat or this fish. What do you do with it? You can't just leave it on the table. This is going to start to smell and go bad. You can't put it in the fridge. Fridge hasn't been invented yet. And so what people would do is they would pack that meat or that fish with salt and it would preserve it because the salt creates an environment where that bacteria can't grow. It's kind of cool. It's really pretty amazing. So you can see the value of salt for every household. It's what preserved their food. It was so valuable in Jesus' day that the Romans used to pay their soldiers sometimes with salt. It was currency. And if a soldier didn't perform very well, they would say that soldier was not worth their Salt, you guys heard that before? So when Jesus is talking about us being salt, he is describing you using one of the most valuable commodities on planet Earth. Isn't that amazing? And so Jesus says, you are the salt of the Earth. And as followers of Jesus, he has put us places, and as believers, we actually can prevent Decay. Isn't that amazing? Just like salt. I mean, what, what can prevent the decay and decline of a family? Follower of Jesus Christ. The decay and the decline of a culture. A follower of Jesus Christ. You're the salt of the earth. Then he goes on to light. I love light. It's great to see the sunshine this morning. Any of you just love sunshine? My wife, she desperately needs sunshine. I call her sol- uh, solar-powered. Anybody here solar-powered? You run on the sun? Yeah, there's some solar-powered people here. We moved from Colorado, from from near Denver, which I shared earlier. And uh, Denver is one of the sunniest places on Earth. You get 300 days of sunshine a year. Now, Philadelphia gets about 207. The national average is 205. So not bad, Philadelphia. Right? But when the sun comes out, right, you feel it. It makes you happy. It brings joy. You think about the dinosaurs. You know what killed the dinosaurs? Well, the, you know, uh, you know meteor came, and then it blocked the sun, and then there weren't any plants, and then there wasn't any dinosaurs. We need sun. Sun is essential to life and essential to survival. And Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You bring light and life 
to dark places wherever you go. You are salt. You are light. Those are powerful pictures of who you are. And if I can just add that up for you a little bit today, this is what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying that you matter. He's saying your influence in this world matters. He's saying that in your family today, you matter. In your workplace, you are essential. Because wherever you go, you bring Jesus with you. And we go, why, why, am, I, why am I in this school? Why am, I, why am I in this office? Why am I in this neighborhood? Because you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus has changed your life. And maybe, just maybe, somebody will see Jesus in you and maybe, maybe they'll want Jesus to change their life too. See, you are a Jesus person. And that matters in the world. Being salt and light, it's not something you do. It is who you are. Do you understand that today? We're not just talking about something we, that you do. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. That's who Jesus has made you to be. And if that is who you are, there's really only one way to not be salt and light in this world. And that would be to hide who you are and who God has made you to be. And what Jesus says in this powerful scripture is he says, never hide who you are. Don't hide who you are. And I want to challenge every one of you here today. You love Jesus. He's a part of your life. I encourage you today. Don't hide who you are or who God has made you to be. I think we're all tempted to do that as Christians to hide who we are. Certainly, I've experienced that in my life, and I know many of us find ourselves in situations where we hide a little bit of who God has made us to be. I was thinking, I think I told you the story of how when I first became a pastor, you know, 15 years ago or whatever it was, I became a youth pastor, and I actually avoided telling people I was a pastor. And there would be times people would go, what do you do? I said, oh, I work with teenagers. And then they'd ask me, oh, you work with teenagers. What do you do? I said, oh, you know, I counsel them. I help them. Finally, one time, I was with one of my students. And she goes, he's a youth pastor. She goes, you really dodged that question, didn't you? I just think there have been times in my life, I don't know if you can relate to this, where you just want to play it cool. You kind of want to turn down the lights a little bit. You want to keep some of the salt in the shaker because you don't want it to get out how much you love Jesus, that you are a Christian. You're one of those Christians. You love Jesus. You follow him. You go to church. And what Jesus begins to say in this passage is that when we hide who we are and what God has done in our life, It's actually a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Let me just read a couple of of verses here. Take a look at verse 13. Um, Yeah, there we go. You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. This is really interesting because this is what happens. When we hide our faith, we're actually allowing other people to trample over us. We're actually allowing the opinions of other people to trample over who we are. And Jesus says, if a salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? This isn't talking about eternal security. This is talking about you losing who you are. And that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. Let's look at another one. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So Jesus uses this image of a light, and he says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. What God has done in your life is so amazing. It's so powerful. It's so cool. How do you hide that from the world? Well, maybe you, you know, put a bowl on top of it. You hide it. Um, you, you put it under a bowl. What happens if you light a candle and you put it under a bowl? Yeah, the flame begins to die, right? And I think some of us have gotten so good at hiding our faith, hiding who Jesus has made it, us to be, that the flame inside of us begins to dim and die. You know, this weekend is a special weekend. Uh, we honor the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. And just we think about who this person was, the person that we celebrate on Monday. Dr. Martin Luther King was a leader in the civil rights movement. He stood against segregation laws. He fought against injustice. And you guys know how he did that? He was known for what? Nonviolence? See, he actually was following the teachings of Jesus Christ that he had been reading in the Sermon on the Mount that we're studying today. And in November of 1967... The uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. preached a sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was called, But If Not. But If Not. And he was preaching at the time from the book of Daniel and the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that there was a king named Nebuchadnezzar and he built this huge image. And he commanded everyone to worship the image. That was the law of the land. Worship this image or get thrown into the fiery furnace. And these three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they say, King, our God is able to save us. But if not, we still won't obey your command or worship this image. But if not. It's a powerful statement, right? Speaking to the law of the land. And we have these three young men who would rather die for their faith than hide their faith. 
Isn't that amazing? I want you to listen to a clip from this sermon. Just short clip. You're going to hear some of the things that they were going through during the civil rights era. But there's a powerful message for us today as we're tempted to hide who we are. Let's listen to this. And I say to you this morning that if you have never found something so dear and so precious to you that you will die for it, then you aren't fit to live. Make it clean. Make it clean. You may be 38 years old as I happen to be. And one day, some great opportunity stands before you and calls upon you to stand up for some great principle, some great issue, some great cause. And you refuse to do it because you are afraid. You refuse to do it because you want to live longer. You are afraid that you will lose your job. Or you are afraid that you will be criticized or that you will lose your popularity. Are you afraid that somebody will stab you or shoot at you or bomb your house? Yes. And so you refuse to take the stand. Well, you may go on and live until you are 90. But you're just as dead at 38 as you would be at 90. And the cessation of breathing in your life is but the belated announcement of an earlier death of the spirit. You died when you refused to stand up for right. You died when you refused to stand up for truth. You died when you refused to stand up for justice. Wow. A powerful, powerful message. You died inside when you refused to take the stand. You died inside when you hid the light of Jesus and you compromised the very essence of who you are and who God is made you to be. You died inside. So the truth is that Jesus died for us so that we could live for him. And uh, there's a, I came across this article in um, Christianity Today. It just came out recently. It's uh, about a New Year's resolution. We can put that up. New Year's resolution to call myself Christian in public. Anyone? <laughs> it's a good one. Just came out January 2nd, 2020. Sarah Billups. This is what she said. It, it made me think as I was just kind of putting some of this together and what I heard Martin Luther King say. This is what she said in this article. She said, I live in a deeply unchurched part of America with so few people identifying as Christians, and after several awkward conversations, anyone the awkward conversations? Yeah. It happens. I've long avoided sharing that I'm a believer. Anyone else? We all have. But she makes this observation. Very interesting. She says, over time, 
the strategy of withholding my relationship with Jesus began to backfire. And I started to wither inside. We all know that feeling. It's a suffocating feeling. It's like a light under a basket. It's like a salt losing its flavor. And I'm just here to tell you today, that's not who God made you to be. He made you and filled you with, your, with his Holy Spirit so that you would come alive inside. That's who Jesus made you to be. He said, you are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And you should never have to compromise or hide who you are, who God has made you to be. The opposite is also true. Talked about he died inside. When you shine the light of Jesus, I believe there's something that happens in your spirit. Your spirit truly comes alive. And that's why I, I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you today to let your light shine. Come on, let it shine. How do you let your light shine? Be you. That's what I want to say today. How do you let your light shine? Be you. Let Jesus come alive in you. What do you mean? I mean the Bible says that you and I were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were walking in darkness. We were part of the compromise. And yet God loved us so much that he came. He died on the cross for our sins. And we can say, I was once dead, but now I'm alive. Jesus is alive in me. Like Paul says in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And if that's you today, let Christ come alive in you. There's only one way to not be who you are, and that is to hide who you are. So be you. Let your light shine. Jesus is the light. Jesus is is sold. He said, I am the light of the world. So let that light shine. Take off the basket. Unleash who you are and who God has made you to be and let the world see. You are a Jesus person. You are salt. You are light. That's who he's called you to be. Listen to what Jesus says. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And my challenge for you today is really simple. If you're here today, if you love Jesus, if Jesus is a part of your life, then let your light shine. Be who you are. Be you. Be the person that loves and follows Jesus Christ. Be a Christian. But the, be the person that is spirit-filled. You're filled of the Holy Spirit. You're alive. So be you. That's why I love the New Year's resolution from the article. What if, just like the article, in 2020, you and I resolve to be more open about our faith? That's a great resolution. What if we resolve to be more open about our faith. Here's what I found out. Because I have gone from 
what I shared earlier. Oh, I'm even, I don't even know if I want to tell somebody I'm a pastor. And what I've learned over the years is that the more that I open up about my faith, I have seen people open up to me in ways I've never imagined. I've seen um, people open up to my faith in God in ways that I've never imagined. I've had opportunities to pray for people at work. And I'm not talking working at a church. I've had conversations. I've had persecution. Not, you know, like I'm dying, but, you know, the kind of everyday looks and things that we all experience. But when we open up about our faith, God can do unimaginable things in our life. It's really amazing. Just happened a few weeks ago. Um, Tom Bagby and I, we were at Starbucks. We were getting ready to meet and hang out, talk some church things. We ordered our drinks. We're waiting for our drinks. And there is a teenage boy sitting at a table with a skateboard all by himself. And I love Tom because he just starts talking to the boy. And next thing we know, we're in a conversation and we're hearing hard stories about what this young man has been through. And yet we were able to open up and just be vulnerable and say, look, you know, we are followers of Jesus and you have a, God has given you a gift. He's given you a life. He has a purpose for your life. And we just began to encourage him. We were going to meet for an hour. Instead, this teenage boy talks to us for about an hour. It's a pretty powerful moment. And when it was done, the boy goes home to his mom. We had somebody walk across the table and said, you should be ashamed of yourselves talking to a teenage boy like that. And we're going to get both those, right? We're going to get opportunities. We're going to get persecution. But you know what? We get to be ourselves, and we get to let our light shine. And God begins to work. It's a powerful, powerful thing. And so I just believe as we're talking about letting our light shine, there are really two powerful things that we can do. Two things. Let's put them up. Is be present and be transparent. I think this is what Jesus is getting at when he talks about letting your light shine. Be present and be transparent. Everyone say, be present. present. Good job. Everybody say, be transparent. Be present with people who don't know Jesus. Be present with people who need God's love and grace. A lot of you, you're present people every single day. In your job or at your school or with family members. Be present. Be there with people who don't know Jesus. And number two, be transparent about your relationship with Jesus. Don't hide who you are. You don't have to be obnoxious. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about being vulnerable and we're talking about being transparent. And God is going to use that in powerful ways. And when we do that, we always want to back that up with our life, don't we? Yeah, because that's what gets Christians in trouble, right? When Christians are present and transparent, but they don't back it up with their life. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Back it up with your life. Live out the Sermon on the Mount. Some of the things we're talking about. But I love Jesus' promise. He says, they will see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's his promise. He'll do that. Our job is just to let our light shine, to let the salt out of the shaker, to be present and transparent. So don't be afraid to put Jesus on the stand in your life. He's alive in you. His spirit lives in you. Just be you and let your light shine. So I want to close with this. Andrew shared a little bit earlier. We have a cool rhythm 
here at Hope Community Church. We have small group week and we have ministry week. And we alternate between the two. Last week was small group week. So we met in our small groups. We had a lot of fun. Studied the Bible. Prayed together. This week is ministry week. And it happens to be the first ministry week of the new year. And I want to encourage you a little bit about ministry week. What's ministry week about? Ministry week is this idea that every one of us in this room today has a ministry. Do you believe that about yourself? When you leave this church, you have a ministry to people around you. You do. You have a ministry. God has given you a ministry. And so ministry week, we said, let's make it all about ministry. It could be serving on a ministry team. It could be ministering with a group of people from your small group. But I just want to give you two words of encouragement today. Two ideas. Number one, we all have 21 meals a week. Every one of us has to eat. So why not take one of those meals and share it with one person in your life who needs God's love and grace? Very simple thing to do this week, just to apply this message, to be present and be transparent. Just share a meal with somebody. Take someone out to coffee. It's that simple. Um, Number two, we talked about this a lot over the last six months. Bless someone with no strings attached. Remember what Jesus said in the Beatitudes eight times? He said, blessed, blessed, blessed. We are blessed and we are privileged as followers of Jesus Christ. And Jesus doesn't give us that blessing, like my old pastor used to say, to be a pot. We're blessed to be a pipe and to um, receive that blessing and then to share it to the world. So what if this week, antenna up, who's someone you can bless? No strings attached. Last idea. Maybe it's just this idea of present and transparent. And maybe there's some people around you who don't know that you're a Christian. They don't know what God has done in your life. Maybe this week is just the week to have a moment of vulnerability and transparency about what God has done in your life could be that simple. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. Jesus is alive in you. You should never have to hide who you are. Let your light shine for the world to see. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for what you've done in our lives. That you have come. You've taken us when we were spiritually dead. And you have brought us new life. You've brought us into a relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And I just pray that our light would shine as a church in ways that are genuine and true and beautiful to the world around us. Lord, I just pray for each person here. God, if there is fear in our heart, Lord, we know that fear isn't from you. So I just pray for a release of fear We ask that you would come alive in Jesus' name, in our lives. Let our light shine for the world to see. In Jesus' name, amen.